listeners. <laughs> I, I do think we need to work on some an intro. sort of an intro. I know. Or you just go with the awkward cold open. Awkward cold open. Uh, I think if you've listened by now, you know that this is Jesse and this is Sophia, and we're here to talk all things ATS. Mm-hmm. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about a recent survey I did on Facebook, and some of you out there may have seen it. And I'll tell you, I feel like I need to explain the context of why I did it. Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about my own workshop offerings and, you know, some of the teachers have been talking about how to best serve the community. Like, what do they want from us? I'm like, what do you people want from us? <laughs> right? So I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, there's no real way of knowing unless we hear from them. So I came up with this, like, I, at first I just posted on my own wall as, like, mm-hmm. a, a short, like, well, what do you want to do? And from that, I got about 50 responses, and people all said, the majority of people said technique. And I was like, all right, I feel like I need to do this more formally <laughs> and have it, like, as an actual survey on Google Forms. So I built it, and I put it up on... Um, uh, the ATS, like the, what is it? The Fat Chance Belly Dance Unofficial mm-hmm. group. And I also put it up on Sister the Brother Sister Brother Studio. Studio page. And I had 107 responses, which, and I'm still getting comments like, oh man, it's closed. <laughs> you know, but I can only leave it up for so long, right? I gave people like a week to reply. So I feel like in a week, 107 replies is a pretty good representation of the community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure like, there's like thousands and thousands of ATS dancers out there, so I'm pretty sure if I had more of a reach, you know, we could get um, better results. I don't know if better results is the right word. Yeah. More responses. <laughs> <laughs> An increased response rate. Yes. Yeah. Right. Which is, and you know, I feel like this is just a drop in the bucket of the amount of ATS dancers there are in the world, but... I'm going to formally announce what the results of the survey, you know, was in this podcast. And I'll I'll also uh, post the hard copy of the results in those groups in case you're, you want to see exactly what um, the scoring was. But by far, number one was technique. Number one, in first place, we have technique. (laughs) In second place, musicality. Interesting. Number three, concepts. And I put concepts as like any sort of like formations or chorus work or I feel like it's really conceptual. And then next was performance prep. Again, very important. Um, and the, the next was yoga and strengthening. Towards the, bo- the bottom three, which surprised me, was uh, movement dialect, specialty movements, like floor work and, and laybacks and and then dead last was props hmm. and you know why that surprises me i'm pretty sure you could guess because <laughs> we've talked about this mm-hmm. is when you go to a workshop weekend or you go to like any like workshop weekend at all and it's the props and the specialty and the movement dialect that are the most have the most people in it yeah, I think it was the exact inverse of what we, if you had just asked us what we thought people would say, it was like the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah. Because in my experience teaching, people are like, I want to know tessera dialect, mm-hmm. or I want to know sword, or I want to do floor work. It was never, can you teach me the toxim for the millionth time? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know... So it surprised me. The results of the survey legitimately surprised me. And it's because in my teaching experience, people always want the flashier stuff, which we touched on in the last episode. Right. We said that people, it's like the whole kitchen sink tribal. Once you dip your toe into it, you want to know all the things and especially all the really big flashy things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It was surprising to me to see that, technique was was number one 
I mean, it was pleasantly surprising because I yeah. think that that is something that we really enjoy teaching for the most part and we- something that we think is really important. Right. And um, some of the comments on the, the survey was fully anonymous. I left some text boxes at the bottom of the survey after that you gave, you know, you scored your, the, the, the topics. And, you know, I asked, why is this your favorite thing to learn? And I honed in on three different comments for that one. So why is technique my favorite thing to learn? And the first comment is, most ATS dancers have one, maybe two instructors. Learning better technique from many different instructors is the next best thing to taking GS, especially for those of us who can't afford to travel often or pay for GS. I thought that was a really interesting perspective because I know that in our weekly classes, um, our students, I feel like definitely benefit from having six different teachers explain to things to them the same, but in maybe six different ways. Right. And that's definitely how we came up as um, students at the Fat Chance Studios, that we studied from a bunch of different teachers. Right. And maybe you resonated more with one teacher than the other because of the way that they were describing things was was really working for you. And I, I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the comparison, the next best thing to taking GS. Hmm. I never thought of it that way, but I can definitely see that point, you know? Yeah, that's interesting considering that, I mean, GS it, until fairly recently was really only taught by Carolina and Mega. And Mega. Yeah. So that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. I thought that's why I really picked that comment out out of all the comments. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I never thought of it that way, but you're right. Like... The way that the GS is currently taught is with a, a bigger group of pool of teachers um, that have studied with Mega and Carolina very closely. Mm-hmm. All of them are ATT, Advanced Teacher Training, SSEE instructors. So they know they shit. Yeah. Um, anyway, the second comment. Are we ready for that? Yeah, sure. I feel that ATS in general needs teachers who are more critical of the dancer's technique and requires them to revisit each movement and make sure that all the details and elements are correct so that we can elevate the level of this dance worldwide. Elevate the level of this dance worldwide. That's why I picked out this comment in particular. Yeah. I was like, that's also a good point. Mm-hmm. Like, It's a, another reason why we should all... Be very picky with our technique. Really look at it. Because uh, if you're a ballet dancer, any other style of dance, they always have you drill, drill, drill the fundamentals. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- it's really interesting because we, we are in a dance form where, as we've talked about before, like part of the selling point is that it's this worldwide phenomenon and... You can dance it with mm-hmm. anyone else, regard you know, they're regardless of of uh, language barrier, and so I think having a uniform technique across the board is really important. But at the same time, it's like technique is something that you work on any time you're in class. Every single time you're in class, mm-hmm. you should be working on technique, right? It's like literally something that you work on constantly right it never ends no you're never done no it's a constant work in progress and uh i i i'm not sure what to make of this survey because i don't know how effective it is to like work on technique in a workshop do you know what i mean because it's like yeah it's it's such a limited it's such a limited situation, right? Like you have two hours, two hours with a teacher. Maybe if it's a weekend intensive, you might have eight hours, which is a lot. But that's one teacher's perspective that you're getting a limited amount of time with. And then it really is up to you in terms of what you do with it after. Right. And, you know, back looking back on my student newbie days, the thing that I found most important about taking technique workshops, like limited workshops, was that light bulb moment where 
Carolina or Wendy said something to me that I was like, oh, okay, now I, I get it. I get it. And I think that's worth it. Yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. Just hearing that little just change in wording was just like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> you know? And that's what, that's that little nugget of wisdom that I would, you know, take away and be like, that was totally worth my 35 40 $50. Yeah. You know? For sure. For sure. And I think, but I think that's, you know, like, uh, taking a technique workshop is really a supplement yeah. to whatever your regular practice is. So if that's you studying on your own, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe you're following the powwow classes online or you're taking online Skype lessons with somebody, um, it really should be like a supplement to that. And you can't expect, you can't expect to like fix your technique. Sure. In an eight hour workshop. Right. right? You, you can take that <laughs> nugget of wisdom, put it in your back pocket, but you, it's up to you. It's your responsibility to follow through and practice that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just, it's interesting to me that the technique was such, you know, it was uniformly really at the top of pe- yeah. people's um, was, lists of what was it important was consistently to them. scored high with everybody. Yeah. It consistently scored high. And I just think it's, I don't know. I think it's interesting because there is such a wide variety in skill, skill level, technique level across the board. Mm-hmm. With teachers. In both in teachers and in students, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you and I are super picky about our technique. Yeah. Like extremely picky. I mean, we hold ourselves to probably a very unfair, <laughs> or a very unfair level of, of excellence, really, right? Like we have very high expectations right. for what our technique is, yeah. is, is supposed to look like. And, you know, we look at videos of performances or practice videos and there's always something, right? There's always something where you're like, right. oh, that, that doesn't look quite right. Like, I need to fix that. That doesn't look how I want it to look. And so I try not to hold other people <laughs> sure. to yeah, the standard fair. that that's I hold fair. myself yeah. to. But I just think that there's a real, there is a real inconsistency in skill level across the board. Mm. And... It's not necessarily a bad thing. No. It is what it is. It's what happens when you have people studying from different teachers across the world. You know, like, not everyone has the opportunity to study with Carolina on a regular basis. Right. We're very lucky to have had that and yeah. to have studied directly from the other Fat Chance teachers. Right. Um, and a lot can get lost in translation if you're just learning from DVDs or if you're just learning from Pow Pow because you're taking this dance form that's very three-dimensional putting it on a two-dimensional screen Mm -hmm. and trying to then translate that 2D image onto your 3D self. Yeah. And, you know, when I first started learning, I I had a teacher. But then when I moved to London, and Philippa can attest to this, is we were learning from DVDs. Yeah. Like, and trying to teach ourselves and trying to think, okay, where does my arm go? Is it really this far back that it looks like in this two-dimensional shape? Or is it, you know... And I remember one of the first times that we went to go study with Carolina together, she put her hands on my shoulders during the Egyptian and like manipulated my body just like a little bit. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you're right. You know, you, But that was only when I saw Carolina that I knew that something was a little bit off. Right. Right, which is the other, you know, even though a technique workshop is limited in terms of scope. Right. It also, you know, you can't really, there's no substitute for that experience of being in the same room as a teacher and actually seeing them in person do certain movements and have them explain to you in their own particular verbiage how how they do something. Right. Yeah, I had no idea that back, back, back in the day that I was moving my shoulders a lot with my Egyptian. Yeah. And it wasn't until that I had Carolina put her hands on me that I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's as you said, like a lot gets lost in translation. And uh, the DVDs are 
amazing. They're our reference point for teaching. Mm -hmm. They're a wonderful resource if you're just learning. Exactly. They're a wonderful resource if you're learning, but they're also not comprehensive, right? Right. Like, right. Not, especially if you're like us who need to know everything about everything. And where's my, you know, hip at this part is, you know, you know, what is my chest doing? It's hard to see. And it's not very comprehensive on the DVDs because there's a lot of content on the DVDs and they don't need to be 16 hours long. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so like. They're definitely, I would say that they're supplemental. They're supplemental. Yeah. I, the nothing, nothing can replace studying in person on a regular basis with an instructor. Right. Really nothing can replace that. Nothing can replace that, but yeah, I definitely feel those people who are, who can't necessarily afford to go to class every week and have Pow Pow as their main thing or have the DVDs as their main, main thing. And, you know, just to put it out there, there's flow videos on the <laughs> Fat Chance um, YouTube channel where you can follow each one of us in a short drill, like. And and the great thing about okay, this is my favorite thing, and then I'll shut up. <laughs> my favorite thing about teaching with such a, a, a big group of people with with the six of us is that we're all very differently shaped, mm-hmm. and you can see. And this was my favorite thing about watching Fat Chance as I was a baby dancer growing up was uh, I was like, oh god, the movement, the integrity of the movement doesn't change because you're shaped differently, yeah. right? Like, Anita has this big, giant, wonderful wingspan. Her arms are super long. My arms are short. I'm never going to look like Anita. <laughs> never, ever, 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 ever. But I really, like, I remember looking at Wendy Allen and being like, oh, I can, you know, her and I are shaped very similarly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I, I can see, I, I can see myself. <laughs> right? But I feel like our students and, and everybody who's ever studied at the Fat Chance Studio has had that moment where they're like, I see my, a bit of myself in that teacher. And while I'll never look exactly like her, I know that the integrity of these movements don't change just because of my limited mobility or my arms are shorter or my legs are shorter or my torso is super long, you know? Mm-hmm. Sorry, that was my tangent. I don't think that's a tangent at all because I think that understanding how to do that movement in your body yes, is really sort of at the nugget of what technique is, right? right? You know, right. like we bandy around this term of technique. Yeah. You know, like technique is really important. You should always be working on technique. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like we don't really talk about in class, like right. what it what, means, what it like is. what is yeah. technique, right? So there is like, there's, there's the, how the movements are structured, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's like the counts of the movement, the foot position, the angle, whatever. Right. That's certainly part of it. There's, um, I think the foundational movements are a huge part of it. So yeah. for your fast, you have the shimmy, the Arabic, the Egyptian, and the hip bump or pivot bump. Like those are, quote, the foundation that the rest of your dance, your fast movements are built upon. Mm-hmm. So if you can't shimmy, three-quarter shimmy without moving your chest, keep fucking working on your three-quarter shimmy. I really wish we had a video. A video of me and like, podcast so we could see. We could see Jesse's interpretation of not isolating your shimmy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and for your slow, you have the arm undulations, the hand floreos, the toxeme. Body wave, circle step, torso rotation, or torso twist. Feel like those are like your base. Yeah. Your foundation. If you don't have that. And you know what? You know what? That's basically volume one. Mm-hmm. And when Fat Chance first started, it that was, was it. basically level yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And they just kept working on it and working on it. working, And that's all that they would perform. Maybe with a few volume four variations, but... The meat and potatoes <laughs> was volume one. And it looked fucking amazing. Yeah. It looked so good. I almost want to challenge myself to do an all volume one performance. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that, right? Yeah. Like, you can put together a 
performance to a song limited to like a handful of movements. Oh yeah, I think we talked about that last time. Yeah, and I mean, and this is why I do ATS roulette in level two sometimes in class, where you draw like three movements mm-hmm. from like the level two movements, and those are the only movements that you can focus right. on. I love that exercise. Right, and it really forces you to think about how those movements fit together smoothly and efficiently. Yeah. And it makes you realize that, like, you don't have to throw in every single thing that comes to mind. You really can build a dynamic performance based on a very limited amount of steps. And I mean, that it's like the blues, right? I I always think about ATS. It's like the blues of dance, right? Because the blues has a set chord progression, right? I mean, like, does it? I'm going to try to not. I don't know anything about this. (laughs) You know, the blues has like, it's very similar in that there is sort of like a structure to like a blues song oftentimes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There's a structure to it. I can't get my shimmy. (laughs) (laughs) My chest won't (laughs) lift. I'm going to make the ATS blues. Oh my god. <laughs> Watch out for our new number one single. Right, exactly. Anyway. <laughs> but it's like, you know, in blues improvisation, and I'm going to try to not, like, talk about this like an asshole, because I'm not, like, an expert. I'm a musical person. I studied music a long time ago. But, you know, it's like you have a structure and you work within that structure. Sure. Is what I'm trying to say. And ATS is the same way. You have your structure, you have your vocabulary, and you work work within that. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I can't remember where I was going with any of that. I'm sorry. I distracted you. (laughs) I distracted you with my amazing song. It was pretty good. It was. I'm very But as you were talking, I sort of was thinking to myself... Um, yes, we have these movements that are all volume one and they're considered our foundation, our fundamentals, but if we don't have our goddamn posture, we're nothing. We're nowhere. Yeah. And that's how ingrained the ATS posture should be in your dance. And it's something that I talk about a lot in level one to the point where I think that I'm, people are just going to walk out. Yeah. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. But if you don't have proper posture, you're just making everything more difficult. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, like you said, it's the foundation. Like, literally everything is built on top of that. On top of your posture. I feel like the posture is the seed. Mm -hmm. And you're, you know, then you grow your roots, which are these foundational movements, and then you start to flower. Yeah. With all the variations. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Can you add it to your blues song? <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> but the whole, you know, weight in your heels, knees are nice and soft, your spine is nice and long, your glutes are loose, your shoulders are in your back pocket. I mean, that if you, do, if you don't have just, uh, if like, you have the lower body posture and your upper body posture is all jacked. Yeah. It's not going to work. It all has to be one, like, cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. Were you ever in a, a workshop with Carolina where, and this is where I humiliated myself one time, <laughs> and this is going to be really interesting to everybody, but not really. But she, she talks about it as getting your body ready for the goddess. And all I could think to myself was, my body is ready. <laughs> pop into your your posture you're all of a sudden creating this like for how she put it like this vessel Mm -hmm. so that you can be that dance can can come in Hmm. and i remember her saying that in a workshop or a gs or something and being like okay my body is ready (laughs) (laughs) and i was like so the goddess comes inside you. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, god! And then I just stopped myself and was like, "Nope, nope, shut up, shut up, just shut up, just shut up." <sighs> I've humiliated myself in front of Carolina numerous times, so she almost expects it from me. <laughs> so your your posture, yeah, is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, the thing Head that not. I always... <laughs> the thing I was talking about with posture is, like, it really is how you stay in tune with your entire body, mm. right? So, like, I often talk about in, like, Torso Twist, when my arm goes out of posture, I lose connection with it. Like, yeah. it, it's almost like it disappears. Mm. It's the it's the strangest Whoa. thing. Phantom limb. Yeah, phantom it, limb. like, turns into a phantom limb. So it's... So, you know, I feel like you could talk about the... <laughs> preparing your body for the goddess thing in terms of like readiness right Right. because like when you're in proper posture your body is like a it's like a coiled spring basically is how i like to think about it snake is gonna (laughs) (laughs) and that's how you have to be that's how you have to be in in the dance Mm. especially as a follower where you're reacting right you're like reacting in the in a matter of like split second right to what your leader is doing so you're trying what you have to do is be able to take the inputs and generate it into an output right like a computer (laughs) like a human computer oh my god (laughs) but it's like you know to bring it to a very concrete example i always am I feel like I'm such a broken record about this, but like my big thing is chorus, right? Like mm. I am always talking about how chorus is not a resting position. Right. It's right. Not. You are there to prop up the featured dancers. And if you're on stage with them, your job is just as important as what they're doing. Sure. Right. And so you have to be ready. You have to be ready for to respond to what to what the leader is doing, to what the featured dancers are doing. And if you're in that hot spot, you know, like we often do the drill in class where you're coming from, the, you're coming out from the center. If you're in that hot spot, you damn well better be ready. Damn well. Right. You yeah. damn well better be ready to like pop leap, out there when leap. you need to. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. You get your ass out there. And really that's about like to, to be able to do that successfully um, in terms of, you know, it looking beautiful and it being efficient, you have to be in that. You have to be able to receive the goddess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, you have to be... be, If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Exactly. So if you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I joke about it in class. I'm like, walk around your house in posture. Walk to the bus stop in posture. Like, stand on the subway, bar, whatever. Stand at your standing desk in posture. And, you know, I half joke about it, but I'm mostly serious because it's not going to become a part of you until you've practiced it over and over and over again. And your body and just even then, And even then. <laughs> and even then you'll be watching your a video of your dance and you'll be like, something's wrong. And it's normally posture. Mm-hmm. Like I've come out of my, my chest dropped or yeah. my knees locked or, you know, and I... And what you were saying earlier is how we hold ourselves to such a high standard as far as posture. I don't think these these guys even know. Like, we video ourselves and we send them to each other and be yeah. like, what am I doing that's messed up? And that's how, like, nitpicky we get with our own technique. Um, and it's actually a fun learning experience as a teacher, too. Like yeah. To watch videos of people. Oh, yeah. I mean, video is really an invaluable tool for anyone who's interested in really improving their own technique mm-hmm. because the video will not lie to you. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, your eyes are going to see whatever they can catch in the mirror when you're in class. Right. And But there are things that you will not even know you were doing. Oh, yeah. When you oh, take yeah. a video of it. So I can't. I can't express enough like how important that is as a tool. Always be evaluating yourself. I mean, I, w- I want to go back to that whole, it's a two-dimensional image, so don't beat yourself up too much about it, but you'll find you'll find out things about your dance that you weren't aware of before yeah. mm-hmm. when you video yourself in practice. And it's great uh, resource that Sophia is recently doing is um, video critique. So you can send her a video of you dancing to a short song and it's awesome. She will like pause the video and with her mouse, she'll like show you like exactly what you could possibly improve upon. And the videos have been great because all the dancers that have contributed to this project so far have been very highly skilled and yes. have made your job very easy. Yes, very easy. <laughs> yeah. But 
they're also the ones that will, are like, I really want the nitty gritty, nitpicky technique stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you can't, if you're not in a position or you can't afford to like do a video critique with a teacher, just do it yourself. Like video yourself and watch yourself and be like, oh. Yeah, I mean, take a really critical eye to what to what you do. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to look at your. It's hard to look at your videos. I hate watching myself. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's because it's never where you want it to be, right? Yeah. And I and for us, you know, I think it's like I went through a phase where like every video I watched, I was like, it's just not good enough. It's just oh, not good enough. We're our own worst or harshest. Yeah. Critic. Absolutely. And, you know, that's definitely, that's not productive. No, that's not productive at all. And that's like a whole other topic that I think we could cover in terms of like how to be, how to not be your own worst critic and how Mm. to like use a tool like, you know, video to, to achieve progress, Mm. Um, which is something I think we all work on. Yeah. My best advice would be to reach out to your instructor if you have one that you study with and take a private lesson with them. Right. Or, like, we offer um, Skype lessons. We, you know. Yeah. We're not you... trying to do this as, like, a shameless plug Oh, no, 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 no. But, like, I, I often have our own students ask us, like, I want to be really good at this. Or how do I progress to level two? What do I need to do to become a better dancer? And, I mean, apart from coming to class every week, which when we were students, oh. we were going to class two or three times a week. Yeah, it was almost grounds for divorce. <laughs> With me and my husband. He's like, can you spend some time at home? No, I got to fix my toxin. My toxin's all jacked. I need to fix it. <laughs> right. So like in addition to co- going to classes regularly, because that's really the only way that you're going to learn how to dance with other people. Mm-hmm. If you have that option open to you, yes. which not everybody does. The way that I think, at least for me personally, how I felt like I excelled um, when I kind of got to that point where I felt like my technique was and my dance was plateauing was I started taking private lessons. Oh, yeah. We took group private lessons. Yeah, we, we took did. individual private lessons. And I mean, you, it's it's just invaluable to be in a room with a very skilled teacher who's going to point out exactly what it is yeah. that you need to work on. And they can like physically move you (laughs) right right like you said with carolina yeah touching your shoulders Uh, always ask permission before you touch someone yes (laughs) (laughs) pro tip um on the flip side of that as an advanced dancer looking to improve your technique i think having to explain a movement to somebody else really highlights Maybe not a gap in your knowledge, but like where you can improve. So I remember the first time I took um, teacher training, I wasn't really planning on becoming a, a teacher. I did it because I was excited about the dance form and I wanted to know all, everything about it. But what I found was all of a sudden I really had to pay attention to what my body was doing. So as a teacher, you have to be able to physically do it. And verbally explain it, right? And I think that really highlighted some areas of weakness in, in my personal experience of my dance. Whereas I was like trying to teach the Sara turn, and I'm like, what are my hands? <laughs> Where are my arms? Like, have you ever tried to do a Sara turn with just the arms to like? Oh my god, I don't think so. Yeah, like. Or just the, just focusing on like what the left side of your body is doing. Yeah. So that drill I learned, this is a, it still has a little bit to do with technique, but um, focusing on one part of your body and and really honing in on what that part of your body is doing is weird. And Wendy Allen does that amazing um, conjoined twins drill where one person acts as the left side and the other person acts as the right, and all of a sudden you're on the right side going, who am I? because you're like I don't know where my arm is in space to me that drill really like highlighted where I was weak in my Mm -hmm. movement yeah yeah teaching is a teaching is a weird thing because you're sort of reverse engineering everything that you've put into your body right 
And that's why it's like a completely different skill set. Sure. Altogether. Because I think we work so hard. We work so hard to like get it into our body to the point where you don't even have to think about it. And then when you start teaching, you're like, okay, well, what is my arm doing here? I don't (laughs) know. Or when a student asks you a question like, where's my pinky? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I had this one experience where I was like teaching reverse choreo. I think it was probably like, I don't think I had taught it before. And obviously I've like done it a million times. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like I had literally never thought, I mean, I've thought a million times about what your Floreo is doing, right? right? You know, like we talk about the shot glass or turning the the hourglass over, but for whatever reason, like my brain just short circuited. I was like, I have no idea how to explain this. (laughs) I have no idea how to explain this. Just follow what my hand is doing. But it's like you said, right? Like, I really had no idea. Like, I'd really never thought about what my hand was doing. Mm. And so But when somebody at some point explained it to you. At some point, someone had explained it to me. And then when you're forced to explain it to someone else. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're just, I don't know, writing in your dance journal. <laughs> and like. Dear diary. Dear diary. Today, the teacher did not know how to explain reverse formula. <laughs> I'm never going to her class ever again. Because clearly she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> Her name is Sophia. (laughs) No, and that point about writing in your dance journal. You know, ever since we started sending videos to each other and sort of um, writing out our technique, I have been writing down what exactly my body is doing. And that's been an interesting experience, too. Like somehow, for some reason, writing it out really put cemented it in my brain. You know? Yeah. It's like taking class notes. And yeah. then rewriting your class notes during mm-hmm. your lecture cements it. Yeah. I mean, it's just another, it's another form of data, mm-hmm. right? For mm-hmm. you to understand something. It's like along the same lines of studying different teachers, you have all these different data points. And so the more data that you can have on a particular movement, I think the deeper of an understanding that you can have of it. Right. But it's like... We really enjoy working on technique, mm. right? That's like a nerdy, it was like a nerdy ATS dancer thing. Like I could talk about the Toxeum for days. Oh God. I thought <laughs> my level two dancers were going to slap me in the face today because I made them work on torso rotation for 45 minutes and all of a sudden our hour is almost up. Yeah. But everybody had really good questions. I made them drill it. I noticed a few things that people were doing that was off. I made them fix it immediately. And then I make them drill it again. And it's a level two class with torso rotation. Mm -hmm. Like that's a level one movement. But as soon as people start turning with it, like if I feels like. All hell breaks loose. I don't know if all hell breaks (laughs) loose, but it goes back to your point. Like, who am I? (laughs) All of a sudden you turn away from the mirror and your brain is like, ah! Yeah. Like, what is my arm doing? Right. I have, the interesting thing about today was everybody's torso rotation looked beautiful when they had the mirror in front of them. As soon as I made them turn away from the mirror, everybody totally, for, like, forgot. So they had that instantaneous data, like, feedback telling it wasn't them there that anymore, they, yeah. it wasn't there anymore. All of a sudden, they didn't have that visual like Q telling them that everything was good. Their brain was like, okay, okay, this is good. This is good. Turn your back on it. Everybody's body was just like, oh no, you could just see it. So there's another thing. Practice away from the mirror from time to time. Yeah. Cause you're not going to have one when you're on stage. <laughs> or, or sometimes you are like, remember underground nomads, they yeah. had that like really reflective yeah. door and you were like, Oh cool. I can see what I'm doing. <laughs> um, yeah. So technique is rooted in your posture. And then your foundation is sort of your level one movement. So, right. I don't know. I mean, maybe this is like way too obvious, but I don't know if people realize that like literally everything we do after that point is built on those movements. Well, yeah, I think they are because we call it the Arabic family. Yeah, exactly. The shimmy family of movements. And I feel like everything that sort of deviates away from that 
is is something in and of itself. Right. Right. Like But it's like if you're found if if you're learning a variation on the Arabic and your foundational Arabic is not solid. You're never gonna get that perfect Arabic one, two, three or Arabic hip twist. Yeah. Exactly. So it isn't just I don't know, like I feel like people get bored studying volume one over and over, over and, and over, over again and over and over and over. But you like I we can't impress enough how important it is right to get those movements solid in your body. I mean, I've had people say like, oh, I want to come to level one because I get bored working on the toxin. Girl, you know how hard it is to get the toxin? <laughs> right. I was like, well, one, you're probably not doing it right. Ooh. Right. Like, chances are you're probably not doing it right. And yeah. two, there is literally always something to work on with the Literally. Toxine. Always something to work on with the toxin. So, I don't know. I guess so. I guess this is why I'm, like, surprised that technique was at the top of your, of this survey. Oh, yeah. Because we're constantly getting requests for... And people saying that they're bored. and People, people are saying, saying that they're bored. People saying they don't want to work on that because they know it already. You know, or people yeah. say, you know, people who don't think that they need to work on XYZ level one movement. You know, I don't know. I It's a philosophical thing, I think, to a certain point, right? Because it's like, eventually you hit a point in your, if you're going to take this really seriously, mm. right? And this is not a judgment, Right. People come to dance for various reasons. Right. People are hobbyists. Exactly. People come in to just move around and your reason is your own. Mm-hmm. People as, enjoy dance for various right, reasons. Right. But as your teachers, we're there to, to be in your corner and try to build you into the best dancer you can be. Um, maybe if being like the most technically strong dancer isn't of interest to you. And I don't think this applies to the audience that is going to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> but maybe if you're a teacher and you're getting frustrated with that level one student that just won't get past it, like just let them chill. Yeah. And because talk to they're... them about their goals. Like right. if their goal is to just have somewhere to go and to move around for an hour every week, be, be cool with it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but because then you're going to have those one or two students who are absolutely obsessed with getting everything right. Right. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think I think the point is that there is space for everyone. Mm. There's space for everyone in what we do. Um, you know, like I said, I recognize that there is a large variety in in technique across dancers but I don't have control over them. No. <laughs> I don't have nor control over you, them. Nor should you. We nor do I be, want control over them. We shouldn't be policing each other. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in policing anyone. If someone wants to know what I think about... I don't want to know what you think. <laughs> if someone wants to know what I think, they can ask me. Right? Yeah. It's not my business. I can. I have my opinions about things. Those are my own opinions. She's got a lot of opinions. I got a lot of opinions. <laughs> like a lot. But I feel like in this podcast, it's sort of like preaching to the choir. Yeah. And I mean, also, you and I tend to see eye to eye on most things. So I'm not trying to yeah. convince. We're no. not trying to convince each other of anything. No, like, and nor are we trying to convince the listeners of anything. Yeah. This is just our pure perspective on on technique and, and how to get past that plateau point. Mm-hmm. And how to, you know, improve... I don't know if improves the right word. Take it to the next level. Yeah. It's funny that we say take it to the next level of dance and we say go back to level one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the next level is level one. Yeah. <laughs> forever. Forever. <laughs> level one, Toxim, forever yeah. and ever and ever. Yeah. Someone no. had a hashtag. Someone had a hashtag um, for our last episode that was like, it was like hashtag level one for life. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it's my new favorite hashtag. Level one for life. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I've been that dancer who was like, I'm bored. Yeah. I don't want to do this. Right. I'm I bored. mean, we both talked about that yeah. in our last episode. Um, on the flip side of that, of everything that we've been talking about today there was a uh, number number one. I want to mention the other positive comment, which we've already discussed, which is the fancy stuff is built on that, and it just makes sense to learn when you have your basics done. Meaning, 
the fancy stuff is only going to be valuable once you've solidified yeah. the foundation movements. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the thing that I always say is that you should not even be like fucking with level three shit, <laughs> let alone dialect. Oh, yeah. Let alone dialect, dialect if your foundational level one, level two shit is not solid. You shouldn't even be thinking about it. Right. In my opinion, that's my opinion as a teacher. But again, I don't run the world. <laughs> But that's important, right? It's like, if you do in the long term want to learn all the fancy shit, if you want to learn the dialect at some point, you put in the work, you put in the work so that it doesn't look, it doesn't look sloppy when you get there. And it feels good. I think less of it looking good, more of it feeling good. Yeah. Like when you walk into a movement dialect class or a prop workshop or something and you you just don't feel good coming out of it if you don't have the proper foundation work already laid down. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to get way more out of it, too. And as a teacher, if I advertise something as advanced, I expect that you know all these foundation movements. So um, I've had a few times where people will I don't know I don't this is my thing I don't know if it's that they're not being very honest with themselves or they think they can fake it till they make it but people coming into more advanced proper dialect workshops not knowing how to get into a formation and a lot of the tester stuff is very formation based and they just leave really dejected like really upset or they leave halfway through the workshop. And as a teacher, I feel bad because I feel like I haven't done my job. And as a student, they feel bad because they're just not getting it. So it's just a bad all around experience for everybody. Yeah. Because as your teacher, I want to be your number one fan. I want, and I want to prop you up, but I can't prop you up onto something that's too high. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as I was going through the survey, there were a couple people who scored technique the lowest. Huh. And they said, and And what were their reasons? The main comment that I honed in on was, quote, there's too much variation in technicality across the field of teachers to make it worthwhile to study. Hmm. That goes back to your comment, like, you're always going to pick up something from some teacher somewhere. And I think that, you know, we have to recognize that there's bound to be variation. Yes. Because, like I said, we don't all study with the same teachers. And we don't all have the privilege of being in San Francisco and all have the privilege of studying with Carolina weekly for years and years and years. I mean, not even, you know, we did. Mm-hmm. You know, we learned from Sandy, Wendy, Christine, you know, who learned from Carolina. We had the privilege of taking some classes with Carolina, but our main teachers were definitely the truth. Yeah. And now we're the teachers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's definitely a different, I don't want to say technicality or skill set. I think that's unfair. Yeah. But looking across the globe and across even the country and even across California, there's obviously going to be slight differences because we're not all together all the time, constantly. Mm -hmm. So just like there's different accents in the English language, there's like just from Oakland to Texas Mm -hmm. to London to Russia, there's going to be, this is a language. It's a body language. (laughs) Body. (laughs) Don't ever underestimate the power of the body language. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? though right there's like there's gonna be some regional dialect yeah and that was something that um that sam calamity sam always used to mention calamity sam. sam now we're gonna have to tell her to listen to our oh, podcast no, she's gonna hate us. i know um that they talked about often with ITS, right? That they, yeah. like, ITS dancers, you know, in Idaho have, like, a particular accent, like yeah. you said. Like, they're doing the same movements, but that might look slightly different because they learned it from a particular person whose body functions in a certain way and whose body looks a certain yeah, way. You said body functions. Body functions. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the thing is, so, like, as a concrete example, like in Fat Chance, 
we dance to hella fast music. Oh, yeah. Compared to, on average, most other troops, the music that we dance to is incredibly fast. Mm. And we're also used to dancing in really tiny spaces. Yeah. We, it's, it's rare that we have a giant stage to dance on. So we're used to our movements being really fast, very contained, controlled, yeah. controlled and like executed without a ton of space. Yeah. So that's just the way that we dance. And yes, it looks different than someone who, than a troupe that might be dancing to something more mid-tempo on a giant stage. Right. <laughs> Uh, you know, the way that you dance is like a function. It's a function of, of how you use it. Mm. Right. And that's, is it sort of like goes back to the nature versus nurture? thing? Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, like we're still doing the same movements that everyone else is doing. It's just that we execute them in a different context because of our, yeah, because of our situation. Yeah. Like underground nomads. The stage is pretty tiny. It's tiny. Restaurants even tinier yeah like me and yuka and juhei danced in an aisle of a <laughs> restaurant once right like we had to be controlled and we had to you know make make sure everything was just really like yeah like in and we were still dancing very fast mm-hmm. but there was no room for like one arm out of a, a millimeter out of place because you would knock somebody's drink over right right but exactly. then we get on these giant stages and we're almost like, wow, <laughs> you know, what do we have do? so much room? Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying that all dancers everywhere else have these giant stages that they're performing on, but I feel like San Francisco in and of itself is so compact. Mm-hmm. Like, and more when I was dancing in say upstate New York, even then we had bigger spaces to dance in because everything was more spread out. Yeah. I think it's only natural for, for, you know, we try because this is a specified codified language to be as close together technique wise, movement quality, movement execution wise. But since we're all so far apart from each other, there's bound to be some small differences, but it doesn't mean one person's better than the other is better. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just slightly different Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Because yeah. when we all dance together, it all looks like one language. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, I think about um, Kamala. Yeah. Ugh, Kamala. We Girl crush. Her. Girl crush. <laughs> I was just talking to Sophia today about how much I miss Lene Dunn. I know! But, like, the Kamala gals, like, they all dance like Lene. They have this, like, really beautiful, earthy softness that Lene has, which I think is really different. It's really different than the way that we dance. Like hummingbirds? (laughs) (laughs) Like hummingbirds on crack! (laughs) But, you know, it's just, it's a different, it's a different interpretation. They have a a beautiful softness. Yes, they have such a beautiful softness, which I thought it was really interesting when we did the collaboration with them at um, Homecoming, yeah. where we merged our Tessera dialect with some of their oh, Kamala cool. dialect. Yeah. Um, and it was just really interesting to see all of us side by side. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we just have, like, we just dance a little bit different. We're still doing the same movements. Yeah, and it still worked out wonderfully. We only had one rehearsal altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you're definitely a product of your upbringing. Yeah. Kamala definitely, you know, shines of Lene, whose primary teacher was Mega. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when she was learning in New Orleans. Um, yeah. I think, and that's, that's really interesting, because I have been away from London for seven years, and Philippa and I grew up together, and I still get comments to this day when we have opportunities to dance together, is that we look like family yeah Mm -hmm. the the quality of our movements is very similar Mm -hmm. we're gonna have to get her on the podcast at some point because we like talk so much about her (laughs) i don't think you think she knows we have a podcast but you know what she'll sometimes send me these like really long messages on whatsapp that is like what is your pinky doing no no no. it's just like some technique questions and we send each other like voice memos or short videos back and forth so but yeah, you know, it, it's what you went back to is that everybody's got their own regional um, diction dialect. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference between the, like, regional dialect and then your technique just being fucking sloppy, right? Like, it's gonna look different because it's wrong. Right. right, 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 right. (laughs) It doesn't look different because you have, like, a certain stylization. Right. It looks different because your posture is jacked up. Right. Or, or you're not using your oblique to lift the hip on the top seam. Right, exactly. exactly. It's still a top seam, but yeah, you're missing that ooey-gooey. <laughs> that ooey-gooey, though. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, yes, there's room for everybody, right? Yes. There's room for everybody under the ATS umbrella. If you are a casual dancer that comes to class to have fun and you're interested in dancing with other people because you value the experience of connecting with other people, Mm -hmm. like, absolutely, there's, there's, of course, room for that. I think, I think that technique becomes really important. Like, the level of your technique becomes really important when you start representing our dance form. In a public space. In a public space. In your own troop, even. In your own troop, for sure. If you're out there representing your own troop, yeah, that's when technique becomes a thing. Yeah. Because lay people they don't know don't what they're know, don't know what they're looking at. Right. And if we want to, you know, take from that quote from the survey to elevate the level of the dance worldwide, it really is the dancers and the teachers' responsibility and the troop leaders' responsibility to maintain that technique. Yeah. As soon as we put it out on a public forum, that's when people are like. And speaking of public, putting it out in a public forum, I think there's definite levels of that. Like, there's a difference between, like, a community festival. There's a difference there. Or, like, a Hofla, where you're just, like, starting to dig into performance and maybe, like, just dipping your toe into it. To a formal stage production with other professional dancers. When we performed alongside the Oakland or the East Bay Ballet troupe, I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> we were... Made you, I mean, I was like, I'm not a dancer. I'm not. I'm not a dancer. I? I don't dance. Who am I? What am I? What am I even doing? Right? Because they're, they, you know, ballet dancers, like we said earlier, are constantly, like, working on, like, technique, plie, and blah, 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 you know. And that's exactly what we should be doing if we want to, quote, elevate the dance form. But if you're also just interested in, in you're in your troop, you're interested in just doing community festivals and, and haflas and just knock yourself out there mm-hmm. and just go have fun. Yeah. I mean, it's the difference, I think, between sort of like a folkloric mm. dance, right, where the barrier of entry is super low, which I think is, abs- you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good thing, but it there are obvious, like, plus sides and minus sides mm. to it. If you're someone that really cares about how our dance is portrayed to the outside world, and you see a troupe get a really high-profile gig, <laughs> and their technique isn't solid. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's frustrating. That's frustrating. And that's, it's frustrating to me because people are going to look at that and they're going to think that that's, that that's what we do. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, it's great for you to have fun getting into costume and going on stage. But at some point, at some point, it you also have a responsibility of representing mm-hmm. what you do to other people. What Carolina has created. And what Carolina has created. So, I mean, I take going on stage very seriously. So do I. Um, I love what we do so much. That I would never want to go. I would never want to present it in a way that didn't represent it accurately. The, the, or the best, you know, that it could be. Yeah. And not that everyone has to take it that seriously. No. I don't expect everyone to take it that seriously. No, no, no. But it is, I think, I think there is a struggle in terms of, like, how do we elevate what we do, which is a folkloric, it's fundamentally a folkloric dance form that isn't institutionalized in the way that, like, ballet companies mm-hmm. are. You know, how how do we elevate our dance to that level? Do we? Do we want to? <laughs> I know? think this is a whole other podcast. It is a whole other podcast, um, for sure. But I think that that's where, I think that's sort of like when the technique, the question of technique comes, becomes, into, comes into play and it becomes um, beyond, it goes beyond like, 
are you doing the movement correctly to like, what are you representing to the public? Sure. So, I mean, weighty questions that not everyone is expected to no, bear no, no, the no. burden and of. And, you know, like we said earlier, this is all based on our personal experiences and opinions and feelings about the dance. We, Sophia and I both take the posture and the foundational movements or what we consider as technique. And we take it very seriously and as, as a teacher, I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel like it's my responsibility to instill that same sense of importance into my students. And even if I have to be a broken record, I will be a broken record. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that is going to turn some students away. They're going to want to go other places and learn, and I think that's fine. They're going to find a teacher that really resonates with them, but the, the, the type of the student who will stick around are the ones that find what you do is, is valuable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. <sighs> Were there any other comments, any other comments from the survey that you wanted to, to share? To mention? I think that was one of the, the only ones that were specifically about technique. Um, but, you know, musicality came in second place. And oh, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other also. podcast. <laughs> But the I think this this is a specific quote about musicality. When we could talk about it later, but musicality makes us dancers, not the executors of movement. It's true. I was like, huh. And I'm always usually telling people in class, like it's our job as dancers to paint a picture of the music for our audience. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of that, this person said that they don't like to study musicality because, quote, as a musician. It's outright insulting to pay to listen to someone who clearly has no musical training blather about their garbage interpretation of music theory and structure. That's me talking about the blues. No, and I totally get that perspective. Yeah, too. Like, I do too. Which is why I don't teach musicality as a structured, like, this is a quarter note. This is, you know, I never talk about musicality like that. I always talk about, like, knowing the phrasing of your music, being able to sing the song if you don't have it, you know, on your device. To me, knowing your tracks, is that's musicality. Yeah, for sure. Knowing your tracks so well that you can respond to them without thinking about it too hard, mm-hmm. to me, that's, that's musicality. Yeah, it's really more about, like, feel. Yeah. It's really more about feel than it is about, like... The actual structure of the yeah, song. And, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've gone for, like, an hour. Yeah, I know. I don't want to blather in and sick of listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> Any closing thoughts on technique? I think I would just say that... I mean, we've said it like a million fucking times and people are probably sick of listening us to talk, listening to us talk about how important technique is, but like you really can't study it enough. No, it's a lifelong, you know, as long as you're a dancer, you're always working on technique. And the minute that you think there's nothing left to learn, then you're no longer progressing as a dancer. Right. And maybe it's time to get somebody else's perspective. Yeah. Try yeah. something different. Yeah, yeah. Or go to a different teacher. Or go to a different style of improvised tribal dance. Like, when I find... And this is a whole other episode, too, was learning different ways of executing similar movements. Like, I, when we were taking ITS classes, the way that they do their toxeme is still like the down to up, down to up, but they execute theirs a little bit differently, mm-hmm. which made me really think about how I execute mine. Yeah. So studying ITS, ITS blew my fucking mind. Yeah. Or even like um, Gypsy Caravan or Black Sheep. Just the, the Gypsy Caravan starts her Egyptian on the left foot on the one. I was like, ah, right? So, you know, if you find yourself plateauing, maybe you start cross-training and then really think about how you've been executing your movements. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, technique for life, 
Hashtag, Hashtag technique level for one, life. Level one for life. Yes, level one for life. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed. Ew, you don't want that to be your first tattoo. <laughs> so what's next for us? What's what's the thing? Sophia's going to France. Bonjour. Macaron. <laughs> I am going to eat a lot of baguettes and macarons. You better bring me back some macarons. Well, maybe if you're lucky. So, yeah. So I'll be in Paris for the next two weeks. Lucky duck. Parisian dancers, you better, better fucking take advantage while you can. Yeah, eight hours, eight hours of workshops. If you want to take a private lesson with me, you can always message me and maybe we can set that up while I'm there. And then after that, we have the wild card. Oh, Oh, my God. (gasps) (laughs) Heavy breathing. Bitches bring the party. Yeah, like, I don't. I think we've talked about them a lot on this podcast, so I don't want to be a fucking creeper. I know anymore. they probably think we're such like weird stalkers. Um, yeah, I'm not going anywhere until reunion. Yeah, well, that's coming up like really soon. Oh, oh, and if you enjoyed this this lecture about technique. I'm going to go ahead and plug my workshops yes. for a reunion. The first one is called um, ATS Basics for Advanced Dancers. So I've learned a lot in my journey at the Fat Chan Studio about how to really take your level one movements and elevate them. And I will be sharing those secrets with you. And the, another, the other workshop, also heavily technique-based, is called Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes. Remember that song? Yeah. Shoulders, knees, and toes. But it goes back to that whole, where, what is my head doing? What is my arm doing? What is my feet doing? You know, like, I feel like, you know, technique is a huge part of that. But knowing where to go, you know, where is your arm placed versus your head versus your chest versus your knees really helped me sort of spring into that next step with precision. Yeah. Because I know what my body, where every piece of my body is meant to yeah. go. You're that coiled spring, ready to receive the goddess. Uh, I'm <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> I need an adult. I need an adult. I'm going to say not a coiled spring, but a, a coiled snack. Snack? <laughs> snack. Oh snack. my god, we should get off. We should just get off. We're getting weird now. I know. I'm sorry, you guys have no idea. They really don't. We're really like, we're really raining it in. We really are. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs>